This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. Before I jump in, just a quick nerd disclaimer. Um, I'm really trying to get the audio of all of these videos and podcasts to be a little bit better, because while I can't exactly help the background noise of where I live, I always try to get the best mics for this, and even just things of where I stand and all that stuff. So I wanted to try a newer mic that I went out and demoed in person. I've been using the Rode SmartLav, which I still love, I think, for what it is. It does a great job filtering out excess noise from outside. But I've upgraded to a different kind, so that's what I'll be using uh, from now on. So just a quick before and after. Here's the normal lav mic that I've been using every week for almost a year now. And here is the Rode Procaster going through a Focusrite Scarlet Solo, uh, the second generation, the same one that I use for my guitar recording. So while this one, the mic is currently on a desktop stand just because it was super cheap and something good to start with, uh, I'm really looking for things like background noise, like the truck that just drove by, um, or how my voice sounds versus the other one, because I really just want to make this easier for everybody else to listen to. That way, if you're listening with headphones, you don't have to be so much bothered by the background crowd noise as before. But anyway, I'll jump right into the news and let me know what you think. First up, a team of people over on Sega Extreme are working on an English translation of the Saturn version of Grandia. I believe there was already an English translation patch for the PlayStation version, and they're looking to port that over. So as always, I'm a huge fan of any time a game is ported to different languages, because it's really great if all of us could experience all of these games. Um, and also, uh, anybody interested in Grandia, please check out Samson 7.1's post, because there's some good info on the translation and the game itself. But if you're interested, check it out. Greg Collins has just released another 3D print design. This one is for top-loading NESs, and I think maybe top-loading Famicoms as well, that allows you to replace the rear AV output port with one that works with the 8-pin mini-din connector that comes with the NES RGB kits. Um, it also has a second hole that you could use either for a pallet switch or for the TRSS jack, the 3.5mm audio, depending on how you like to route your outputs. Um, but it's just a good alternative to using something that has the official SNES multi-out in there. Uh, and it really is just preference at this point. Um, you know, there's no one better than the other. Sometimes using the SNES cables versus an 8-pin mini DIN might be better or worse for you. But most importantly, now we have choices and whatever fits you need the best, you could order it. Uh, and they're available to download right from, uh, right from this post, or you could buy them directly from laserbear.net, which is where Greg sells all of his other stuff. So if you're looking to RGB mod any kind of top loader, check this out first and see which output works best for you. Last week, reviews of Eon's Super 64 adapter were released, and everybody seems to be pretty much in agreement in that it looks cool, it works great, um, it does not have any lag. I tested that myself, and uh, Epox Vox was nice enough to include it in his video. 
Uh, and overall, it's just a great adapter for people that need basic HDMI output with no mods whatsoever. But everybody agrees that it's way too expensive. Um, and, you know, I just have such mixed feelings about that because it's definitely too expensive. But Eon spends a lot of that money on marketing. So, I mean, just the reviews alone should tell you that. They gave away, like, 50 of these things. <laughs> so, you know, it's the, the indisputable truth is that with all the marketing they put behind their products, that opens up stuff like this to a much wider audience. And as a result, a lot more people in the all of the retro gaming world tend to benefit from this. So Eon sells more adapters. Uh, Mike Cheese is going to sell a ton more retro tanks because of this. And it's, you know, it, everybody kind of wins at the end, except the people that didn't really need to spend 150 there's a ton of people that responded in the comments to all these things about, you know, yeah, it's a little expensive, but this is exactly what I need for my scenario. Awesome. For you, then, this is the perfect scenario. But what about the person that's just trying to save a buck, wants to have all of their old consoles work on a flat screen, and they buy this instead of the retro tank or some upcoming solutions that'll be out before the end of the year that may or may not be better? So it's, you know... I don't know. Uh, I, I hope. I just hope that anybody who sees any of the reviews on any channel is just smart enough to Google N64 HDMI and then spend two minutes researching the other solutions out there. There's definitely a need for this thing. Um, there's definitely a need for this thing, period. Uh, but at the price point, there's still a, scenario, a few scenarios I could envision where it would be the best choice, which I, you know, I kind of put my opinion in the uh, in the post here. Uh, basically, people who have no other retro consoles that they want to use. They get a GameCube with Eon's other adapter. They get a bunch of newer consoles with HDMI, and this is the only one. At the moment, today, right now, yeah, this might actually be the best choice. That and people that run tournaments that require gaming on flat screens. You're probably not going to have 20 consoles modded with an Ultra HDMI, maybe only the main one that gets streamed. So maybe you've gone out and bought a whole bunch of, of cheaper, low-lag, one-millisecond monitors, and now you just need to connect it. I imagine this would actually be the best choice for that person as well, because dealing with you know 20 of these to match 20 N64s is way better than trying to deal with scalers, power plugs, extra cables etc so i get it um but i i just uh if you know anybody that needs one of these things recommend it but also i would recommend it but also recommend that they do just a little bit more research to make sure that this is the right thing for them so hopefully i didn't uh didn't ramble too too long on this one i really enjoyed epox fox's review not just because i was in it because <laughs> he went into detail on the settings that you would need if you wanted to stream it and a bunch of other really cool things so um you know, that's my current recommendation uh, i hear there's going to be another video coming out next week that might be uh, equally as interesting to us hardware nerds so stay tuned on that one there's some updates to the Mega SD ROM car and optical drive emulator. Um, first and foremost, it looks like a ton of updates were included in the firmware that this is shipping with. So way too many to talk about here. Um, but overall, one of the major updates is that they allowed for different settings and filters 
to match the Sega CD audio almost exactly. Um, I saw some of the behind-the-scenes testing with Firebrand X. Uh, he used the MD Fourier software that Artemio came out with that I talked about a few weeks ago and really helped fine-tune it so that it's as close to the original as possible with toggles. So if you like it, you know, you could toggle it on or off. And it, it's one of those things where everybody kind of wins in this scenario. If you liked it the way it sounded with the filters on, you could do that. If you just want it to sound as close to an original Sega CD as possible, you could do that too. So that's pretty awesome. Um, full list of all the changes is in the post. And it also looks like they're trying to speed up the shipping a little bit. Um, looks like they're going to start shipping this week. So that's pretty awesome, especially in the retro gaming world where it's usually the opposite. It's usually me talking about some kind of delay. So <laughs> even if it's a day early, it's a, a day that's appreciated by everybody. Um, if you're interested in more info on this, please check out my review on it. I got as detailed as possible. Uh, and the only things that I guess wouldn't be relevant now is the, uh, the CD audio should be pretty much the same. My Life in Gaming just posted a great review of the Game Boy Advance Consolizer. I showcased its announcement last year, maybe six months ago, a little bit more than that, um, and My Life in Gaming stepped up and explained it in their own way, as well as highlighted everything that was different from then till now. So they showed off the new case, some of the new features and stuff like that, uh, and even though I pretty much know the product inside and out, I still genuinely enjoyed watching their video and hearing their opinion on it. So, um, you know, anybody that's even remotely interested in this, please give that a watch, because it's just a, a typical high-quality My Life in Gaming video. Um, the, the only thing that I just will remind people is there is a tremendous amount of broken Game Boy Advances floating around there. Um, you know, anytime you have a portable product, it's definitely going to take more abuse than a stationary product. You're carrying it around with you. It's way more likely you would have dropped a Game Boy Advance than a Super Nintendo. Um, and almost everybody that I know or I'm involved in has been excited about this because now they get to take, you know, a $20 piece of crap broken Game Boy Advance off of eBay, uh, throw out the shell that's been smashed to bits, you know, the screen doesn't work anymore, and they get to breathe brand new life into something that may have soon reached a trash bin. So if you're going to do this, I think most people would agree anyway, and would do this anyway, but just take a few extra minutes to seek out something that's already broken. Um, with all the no backlit, busted up Game Boy Advances out there, it should be very easy. I just, I think there were a few people out there um, spreading some hate about this thing because they assumed that people are going to take beautiful mint condition Game Boy Advances and smash them to bits to get the guts out of them. And I don't know anybody, I don't know any modder, I don't know anybody that uh, that follows and posts the pictures that I, I always check out when people post their own install pictures. Nobody has done that. <laughs> Everybody is really uh, excited to take advantage of the fact that you could now have new life for something that was... I mean, before this, pretty much broken and unusable, unless you replaced the case, the screen, some of the wiring, you know, so this is a perfect way to refurbish these things. And uh, it's actually fully reversible. So if for whatever reason you installed this and then you insisted upon taking that same board and putting it back into a Game Boy Advance, replace the crystal, you know, take out the wiring, and there you go. Now you have your old Game Boy Advance back. So I guess that's just my, my little two cents on that dilemma, but... Other than that, check out the video. It's really good stuff. 
The Mega MIDI 5 audio hardware just got an update that improves the digital to analog separation and includes a redesigned amp and power circuitry. Um, for anybody unaware, the Mega MIDI 5 is a device that has original YM chips, just like in the Genesis, that allows you to interface with a MIDI device and essentially use something like a keyboard to create music that sounds almost exactly as if you were making it directly through a Sega Genesis. So, I mean, stuff like this is where all my favorite worlds collide, right? You know, you got classic consoles on you know, the great music that comes through it and being able to make your own versions of that. So anybody interested in stuff like this, please check it out. Um, and, you know, anybody that uh, that has their own videos and their own creations based on this, please uh, tweet at me or something, because uh, while I might not necessarily share them all, I certainly enjoy watching them and listening. So very awesome. And anybody that wants to create Sega Genesis style music, or I guess even technically Sega Master System style as well, uh, check this out and see if the product's for you. Some updates to Marcus's CPS HDMI kits. First, it looks like they're now going to be compatible with CPS 1, CPS 2, and CPS 3. So that's pretty awesome news. Um, this was originally designed and showed off for the CPS2, and I left uh, a video that Undamned had posted in this post for anybody that wants to see kind of what that's uh, what, what that would take. Uh, Marcus recently adapted that for CPS3s, and now he just is testing in CPS1, and Jose Cruz, the modder here from Brooklyn, has verified that on both uh, CPS1 and CPS3s. So it's looking like with an adapter board and a few minor changes, you're able to get these working on all of the Capcom Play System arcade boards, which I think is absolutely incredible because now you could play these things on a zero lag flat screen if you prefer to, and it's a digital to digital, no lag added solution. On top of that, if you're a streamer, you could continue to play on an RGB monitor or maybe even a real arcade like they just did at the Defend the North tournament and have a perfect HDMI stream come out of that. Uh, so that's really exciting. That's something I just think is absolutely incredible and I would have never guessed that that's possible. Uh, I'll keep everybody updated if there's any kind of firmware updates or enhancements to it, but right now I just call this whole project a giant win. And also, they're available and in stock from Video Game Perfection right now. Up until now, you had to be on a mailing list and stuff. And uh, no disrespect to people that start mailing lists, but I know a lot of people that uh, just can't stand doing that. They, you know, they don't want to have to worry about missing the email or not being around that week or something. And they just want to buy it and go, which is exactly what you could do right now. So if you've been waiting on a CPS HDMI kit for your CPS 1, 2, or 3, it's the same root kit. So feel free to just buy that now from Video Game Perfection. And you may or may not need an adapter for CPS3, and you're definitely going to need one for CPS1, but those will be sold separately, and I think they're fairly easy to assemble yourself. So I'll have more information on that. I'm hoping to do a video on this uh, HDMI kit. I just need to find the time, but I just, I'm very excited about it, and I think a bunch of other arcade fans are as well. So please check it out if you're interested. FIDE has just released a SCART test board designed for people that are using oscilloscopes and need to test each individual pin on a SCART output, which, believe it or not, I think a lot of people that listen to this might fall into that category, so I'll give a quick overview. Basically, it's a breakout board where you take the RGB SCART of something, plug it into this, and then use this thing's SCART output to go to your monitor or any kind of display. 
and it breaks out each of the SCART's pins into a little hook that you could grab with an oscilloscope's probe and be able to test it in real time. Uh, so that alone might be a help for some people. Maybe you're building your own device or tweaking existing equipment or something. And, you know, obviously, as with everything, uh, when you're using a scope, I would test it without this in the output SCART cable first and then test it back with this because you never know, you know, maybe you have a bum SCART cable or something. But overall, it seems to be pretty handy. But I could also think of a secondary use for it. Um, there's a whole bunch more arcade-based tournaments happening these days. And I think... Mostly, I think that's amazing because now you're taking arcade boards and making them more mainstream. But an, an unfortunate side effect of that is all of the terrible super guns that are out there. Uh, that's something that I'll hopefully get to before the end of the summer. But most of the super guns out there, including the really expensive ones that everybody seems to think are high quality, really aren't. They come from the factory with all of the settings that are probably going to kill your SCART equipment. That's not uh, like a scary news tease, that's actually true. And even some of the great uh, super guns out there, some of the awesome ones like the Hass and the Sentinel, maybe somebody tweaked it wrong. There's nothing, just because it ships from the factory correct, doesn't mean that somebody got, brought it home and didn't mess something up on it. So if it were me personally using my equipment for any kind of uh, tournament or arcade-related thing like this, I would want to test that equipment before ever plugging it in. So you could take a breakout board like this and just stick something with some termination on the end. Uh, I have pictures here in the post with SCART breakout adapters, and you would be able to probe all of the pins, including audio, which is, believe it or not, how a lot of these things end up killing SCART equipment. Um, you'd be able to probe it right there without ever plugging it into any kind of equipment. So while this isn't designed for that, if you're already buying it for one thing, maybe you could have a secondary use. Uh, and maybe somebody else out there has a, a different idea, but I would certainly like to see more safety procedures put into place for people bringing super guns into tournaments. Because I just, I get like genuinely bummed out when I hear all of the stories of people killing equipment just because they used something expensive that they assumed was going to be safe. Or, you know, the occasion where people thought they knew how to tweak something and didn't and ended up breaking it. You know, it happens to all of us, but... If you use a scope and you need to test SCART equipment for any reason, Video Game Perfection has them in stock at the moment. Uh, and like I said at the start, this really isn't for everybody, but who knows, maybe this might really be a help for your current testing situation. There's now an open-sourced project that's recreating the Amiga 1200 motherboard, but changing it around and enhancing it with modern features. So uh, you'll use the original chips from the Amiga 1200, which means you'll have to do a chip transplant, which isn't that easy. Uh, but the new motherboard will do things like swap out the PCMCIA controller with SD so that your storage is much easier to manage, and a whole bunch of other things like that. Um, and I really love projects like this because they're incredibly complicated. Um, having a, a replacement motherboard like this takes a tremendous amount of work. But you could solve a lot of problems with it and do a lot more than if you just did something like a RGB bypass or something like that. Um, you know, the consoles out there, there are some consoles out there that could probably really use something like this, like a Genesis 1, I guess. Uh, but it's a ton of work, so anytime a team is willing to take on that project uh, and try to hit it straightforward, I, all the respect in the world for them. So Amiga 1200 users, now you have a whole new option uh, coming up that might be able to give you a lot of features that you previously wouldn't be able to have enjoyed in the same way. If you're an Amiga fan, check it out. And speaking of the Amiga, 
An interview was recently posted with an electrical engineer that was instrumental in the creation of both the Amiga and some Atari Classic computers. So if you're interested in hearing inside knowledge from one of the people that created these computers, definitely check it out. Creative has just announced a new line of sound cards for 2019 that are meant to be audiophile quality and take things into account like analog recordings. Um, I'm really interested in, t uh, in trying these out because I've been so disappointed overall in the analog recording capabilities of uh, anything from built into motherboards or even external cards. Uh, in the MD Fourier project, we, uh, we did a little bit more research and found at least one USB device that's affordable that you could rely on, but it's not the best fit for most applications and it doesn't record optical audio. So I'm very interested to try out what Sound Blaster has to offer. It is kind of funny that Sound Blaster is one of the few names that's carried from the 90s all the way till now. Uh, I just really hope somebody other than ASUS puts some more focus into analog audio recording um, because it, you don't need to be an expert to hear the difference. You know, if you're recording yourself on stream and you're recording console audio and there's a hiss or a hum that's really not in that console's output, you're going to hear that. Anybody listening with headphones, you don't have to be an audiophile to listen and go, oh, why is there a hissing sound? So hopefully Sound Blaster has taken the necessary precautions to try and make this as high quality as they say. Um, there's two versions coming out in the AE7 and AE9, and they're fairly similar, but one of them comes with an external controller and the other one doesn't. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to test one of these out in the near future. At the moment, I'm still recommending the Lexicon for external, uh, the Asus one for internal, and uh, you know the, everything else that I've tried just doesn't really fit for anybody that wants to do really high quality game audio recording. Um, I think there's a lot of very expensive equipment out there that works great. I'm just talking about things that are around 100 or less that you know your average game enthusiast would be interested in. So uh, thanks to Vanessa for keeping us in the loop about this stuff, and hopefully I could do maybe I could work with a, another reviewer that's a, an expert at this stuff, and I'll just focus on the the sound blaster part of it for video game recording. But I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully you'll just hear more from me about this in the future. Well, that's it for this week. Before I go, I just want to remind everybody that I'm going to be doing a bunch of live appearances, and I think other members of RetroRGB are probably going to try to meet me there as well. So please check out the events page. Uh, it's just a rudimentary page with links on it at the moment, but uh, I think that's just the easiest way to, to keep everybody in the loop of where I'm going to be. And the next one is just over two weeks away. I will be at the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. I'll be doing a panel there, so I really hope uh, if you have time you could swing by and see it. And I'll also be hanging out, as always, on the Brooklyn Video Games booth. So if you're at the Expo, please stop by and say hi. I really enjoy meeting everybody. And if you have time to check out the panel, I'm, I'm getting kind of proud of this one. So uh, I think beginners and intermediates might learn a bit, and experts might just learn a different way to explain the stuff to their friends. So please swing by if you have a chance. Uh, as always, thanks to everybody who watches and listens. Uh, if you're listening, please let me know if this microphone sounds better than the others. And as always, any feedback I'm all ears because I just want to make this look and sound as good as I possibly can for everybody but anyway thanks and I'll see you next week